related to all this stuff. You know, it's, it's hard for me not to mention this when I'm talking about energy. It's climate change. Okay. And I've mentioned this on many podcasts. Um, you know, I'm, we're an environmental company. I'm really always outdoors. I'm an avid surfer and all that fun stuff. So I'm, I'm in the water. I've seen water temperatures rising. I've seen water levels rising. You know, something's happening. Right. What's the county's official position on climate change or do you guys even consider it when you, you know, looking at new buildings and renovations or, you know, uh, for instance, like we have um, clients that want to build docks, piers, wharves, things like that. Well, how do we t- account for a rising sea level? Right. Exactly. Stuff like that. That's that is happening. You know. Right. So, yes, of course we do. Um, we've been watching the sea level rise and we've been certainly experiencing these once-in-a-hundred-year storms every year. Oh, yeah. Uh, County Executive Ballone came in in 2012, and within a few months he had a forest fire to deal with uh, out uh, on Sunrise Highway, and then uh, a few months later, Sandy hit. Yeah. So he he has definitely weathered <laughs> some storms as county executive. Um, <clears throat> and so, yes, of course, that is uh, when we don't have necessarily our own function our structures out in this um, area but where we do have a couple of things it's it's a consideration that we take seriously um, something actually very interesting the last few weeks I've been involved uh, there's a group called students for climate action and it involves many of our high schools it's a national program but uh, a couple of dozen of Long Island high schools are involved and so I spoke to that group back in January and they were very concerned with um, storm, the storm impacts and uh, sea level rise specifically, and they wanted also to talk about environmental justice. So uh, after that talk, I found out we have a youth group, which happens to have an environmental justice uh, uh, component to it. And again, these kids who are growing up on an island and very aware of the water, and some of them maybe are, are surfers or folks who are always in the water like you are, and they are very, very concerned about what's going on. They're concerned about plastics in the water. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, so, so as a note of hope for the future is that we've got this cohort now of really smart well, a couple of them are Intel winners, oh, <laughs> so yeah. really yeah, smart. There are some smart uh, kids here. Young people, <laughs> and they're super aware and hyper-focused on what these solutions are going to be. But the answer to your question is that in, the, in an ongoing way, through our Suffolk County Planning Commission, folks who are trying to build those docks have to come through, and they really do have uh, scrutiny now to say, well, how is this going to weather the next Sandy? So we are doing that uh, work. Course. I mean, are you guys trying to make a dent in like the um, carbon emissions that the county's putting out to to maybe, you know, slow down yes. or well, I, I don't know if we're ever going to reverse things in our lifetime, but maybe make a, a difference in terms of what's going up in the atmosphere. I have a bit of a rant on that, if you don't mind. Let me have it. Carbon counting. So the county started in 2002 with a group called ICLE, Cities for Cleaner, whatever. I don't remember what their acronym stands for. Ickley. They're still around. And they came in and they said, hey, we're going to help you count your carbon. And I wasn't at the county. I was at the town of Huntington. But through a county legislator, we did the same thing at the town of Huntington. The year was 2002. Fast forward, I come to the county. Now I'm energy director and it's 2008. Ickley comes around. They got hired by the Roush Foundation to do the Long Island Carbon Footprint. 
And so myself and a, a gentleman from Nassau were on the steering committee along with some of our environmental groups. And <clears throat> we're going through this carbon count and they say, and we're going to do it for the county. We're going to count your emissions. So that's just another $10,000 extra, <laughs> which but that was fine. It was, it was worth that. So I tell them, this is great. Here's what we did in 2002. I pick up from the county's original carbon footprint. Oh, no, we can't use that. Back in 2002, we didn't count this. Our calculation for that was off. There's no way we can do this. Okay, well, then I won't get my apples to apples. What a shame. So we go through and we have this carbon footprint now. It was done uh, um, to a baseline of 2005. So then fast forward another few years and now I'm trying to get some of these programs and grants at the state level, and I'm looking to get a new count, carbon count. Very, very uh, fortunate to get a, a woman named Paula who came from the Stony Brook Environmental Master's Program, happened to also have been an engineer before she went for that master's. And so <clears throat> I show Paula, here's what, just for fun, here's what we did in 2002, here's the one that dates to 2005, now I want one for 2015, and she's doing this work. It's around 2017, right? Can you give me apples to apples? And this woman now is a, a full-time intern working very hard on my behalf, you know, unlike where it was a, a paid situation. I'm sorry, Lisa. But they've added this, you know, what I, I don't remember if it was methane. Or, they've added a few things that we need to count. The way that they calculate the bus miles is different. This has changed. That's changed. So there's no real apples to apples. So frustrating. And so uh, when the Climate uh, Leadership and uh, Community Protection Act, CLCPA, passed at New York State, New York State was taking input from some of us localities of what do you need. And I put in to the and, – and they responded and, and affirmatively that – we need New York State to help us. Somebody at DEC, some greater mind, needs to figure out how do we, um, you know, account for and um, normalize for what was true a decade ago. Because how are they ever going to say we've met these New York State goals, right? So the county is trying very hard to meet its um, goals. But what I was able to get, and again, you're an engineer, and I have great respect for the folks who work the numbers, and I know nobody wants to, you know, change them just to make the headline. So with great um, patience and, and really working hard to normalize those numbers, we showed that from 2005 to 2015, we reduced 7% our carbon output. I believe that would be true and then some if we did this again, but I'm reluctant to <laughs> spend money and time just to have an engineer tell me, well, it's 2022 now. When you did that in 2017, we didn't count this or we calculated that differently. And, oh, you know, it's it's not an activity that, you know, I, 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 I will bang my head against the wall. I absolutely will do that to get a solid project builder to do something. But to get these numbers, uh, it just is very frustrating. But, but good news, under the Climate Action uh, Council and the plan, I believe that the DEC will start to help municipalities to count and hopefully 
will find some way to help us compare. That's really the rub is I, I could get the carbon counted. I really know now all the different, we had talked to the sanitation folks about the, sure. what the wastewater plants do. We talked to our bus and fleet. You know, we can, I know the pieces, but we cannot get that comparison as the science changes. And of course, that's a good thing, right? So the carbon counts are getting more accurate and more specific. And, and that's fine. That's the way math and science have evolved. But we still need a way to look back and make that uh, comparison worthwhile. Oh, boy. Uh, that was quite a bit. You were Sorry. right. It's a rant. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but it was, it was informative. I mean, I'm glad the county's trying to take a look at that, but this just doesn't seem to be a consistent, uniform way to do it. And you, to, know, you, you guys are... The percentages right. everybody wants to hear. We've saved 20%. But, yeah. but the, you know, the work that we're doing, we know that we're investing in energy we're efficiency. An impact, yeah. We know that we're using solar where we can. We know that we're greening our fleet. Actually, that's... Oh, a, that was my next question. Oh, I was going to say, that's you, a topic. You knew it was for, coming, yes. Yes. The EVs. <laughs> so, yeah. So, in May, the county executive did an executive order that we need to transition this fleet of 2,000 civilian and 1,000 emergency cars. So, a total of, of 3,000. Yeah. So, certainly... Right now, uh, uh, just as I was talking about the, the um, building fleet, that it's difficult for the county to be on that cutting edge where things haven't been tried or, or the, the expense. It's really the expense to be on the cutting edge that is uh, what, what makes it hard. So, but we, are, uh, we did a report over the summer. We have a roadmap. We're looking to do a first phase of that. It's going to be a, uh, a real undertaking. Are there any electric vehicles right now in the fleet? No. Uh, oh. we, we could get the cars. The cars aren't the problem, although, side talk, cars, getting an electric vehicle. Right now it is. Right now <laughs> is a problem. Yeah. But as far as, you know, the county has a budget to buy cars, and, and there's a differential, but New York State gives municipalities something toward that differential. A grant? So, yeah, yeah. Good. So the, there's programs to help purchase the vehicles there is a program to help um purchase and install the charging equipment oh. but it's still going to be at a premium and the county has so many locations right so we have um a hundred occupied buildings and so the thinking about the way we use our fleet now and we have 15 gas stations around the county and that services all the fleet everybody's able to get to right? so i'm stationed in hop hog and in the north county complex i could gas up a county car yeah if we need oh, yeah. to so now think about how what the equivalent of that is for charging and then uh think about you know the, the hours that we work and so a lot of the programs that, um, like, so Make Ready is the main program that New York State put out. All the utilities are doing it. LIPA's got a program. They started it last year, and now they've got it up to speed for 2022. And what that will give us is if, if we were doing public stations, we could get about 90% uh, reimbursement for the everything that goes into installing that station. So when you say public, open to the general yes. public, county residents or anybody yep. who happens workers, to be driving through. <laughs> workers who are at our facilities. Okay. If we say fleet only and we make it only available, then we get about 50% reimbursement, which is still something and, and worthwhile, and, and we're certainly going to be using that. 
So we're looking at how we can use that program and where we can put in our first charging stations that would make economic sense and logistical sense, right? So with, when you're talking about a fleet, there's a lot of logistics in how and where our vehicles need to be and the hours that we work versus, so, so you know, the obvious thing is we want the 90%, let's share it with the public. But what if somebody takes a spot and, you know, goes to a meeting or something, even if it's a county worker, and then they're in the spot and the county worker works, you know, 7 to 3, they get back at 3 p.m., they can't use that spot. Are we going to now hire someone whose job it is to move all our cars and charge them overnight? Oh, you know, logistics are, and that's just a, an extreme yeah. example, but of of some logistics that that are really need we need to address because the county's work needs to get done. And so we, the good news is we're going to do this. We're going to get there. And how, how long do you think it'll take to get, say, the, the full 3,000 vehicles you talked switched over to elect? I mean, uh, the cost, I know, is going to be tremendous. But time-wise, how long do you think that'll take? I, I, I don't want to guess because, honestly, just in these last, like, three to five years, haven't we seen so much evolution with the charging equipment, so much evolution with the vehicles themselves? and. And the expansion of who's making the vehicles, how many choices there are. So I, 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 if, if the way that this trajectory is going, I, I do believe we'll make that 2030 because I think that everything is going to speed up to meet what we need. Well, I've been doing a lot of research and reading on this and like the battery materials or, you know, they, they, obviously lithium is the big one right now, but they're looking into revolutionizing that where it's going to charge faster and go on a longer charge and it may not be as susceptible to uh, temperature when it's cold or hot out you're losing charge you know that sort of thing and maybe maybe costs will come down with those well, that's, options that's the problem right now yes what, what they're looking at it's yes it's going to be ex what you just described is going to be expensive it would not be cheap until they can get it commercialized and uh, you know people can afford it correct to put it in a car <laughs> yeah but, but all of these things are catching up. And even even the technology of carbon counting, I believe, is going to get, um, you know, speeded up and, and fixed in a way that we really will know that we are saving. So um, meanwhile, the work that has been done, which is low tech, is the county has been right-sizing its fleet and really getting rid of the clunkers. We, we did do an experiment with CNG and uh, got some arrow money for that back in the day. And so um, that hasn't really worked out great for the county, the, especially uh, the larger vehicles have not been a tremendous success with the fleet uh, folks. I've heard other municipalities have similar um, yeah. issues and concerns with the CNG, so I, I don't see it you know, like it was a few years ago. It's yeah. not nearly as popular. It's not even being pushed. Yeah. So, but 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 when it comes to um, there's a couple of different programs, clean energy communities and and the climate smart communities, and we do have CNG in our fleet, about a hundred vehicles. So, what, what about like hydrogen and green hydrogen? You know anything about that? I know a bit about it through my friend Tara, who works for the town of Hempstead, Tara Schneider Moran. Um, so they have in Hempstead this uh, whole uh, energy center. If you've ever been down there oh, yeah. okay so when they have the hydrogen there and they're ramping it up now with a new project with national grid so um my understanding is actually that same our money that i mentioned that we used a little bit for cng or we got a actually a separate grant just for the cng 
they used their ARA funds, and ARA funds went out to municipalities of 35,000 or more. And Hempstead, as you may know, is the largest town in America, and Brookhaven's right behind it. So both of those, excuse me, both of those towns got huge ARA allocations. And whereas the counties, we got about $900,000 and Nassau got even less because it went to some of their larger villages first. So um, those towns were able to use those funds and it's great. I think, I, you know, I applaud that they went for the hydrogen with that uh, big chunk of money. And, and I believe, uh, you know, from Tara that it's working out and now to be able to do more with National Grid and to see if they can actually make that uh, hydrogen into some kind of a heating opportunity. I've seen a couple RFPs coming out, so it's who knows? Exciting. It, yeah. It's exciting times for sure on, on multiple fronts, but we're sticking to energy today. <laughs> yeah, no, and, sure. and I know they're doing a lot in Europe. They're really trying to get that hydrogen to, to work, but it's... Uh, it's not easy, and it's, it can be costly. Yeah, and honestly, we can still say that about solar, and we're, you know, much deeper into using solar as a form of energy and it's not easy and it can be costly. What's the but current like efficiency of a solar panel? Are we still like 20%? So we get that sunlight, we convert about 20% to electricity. Is it still in that range or has it gotten better? What, what, what's going on? Do you know anything? You, you're not talking to an engineer. All right. <laughs> Just all right. remind you. I, I let's, fully understand. Let's, I apologize, let's Lisa. Let's go back to public it's the nerd policy. me. I need to know. No, I can see it's a valid question, but I'm not going to even guess. All right, because I, I know with the geothermal systems, we get some pretty good efficiencies. But you know, we can see. I, wa- I, <laughs> I will amend my statement about solar. So it's, it's, it's not easy, and but it is working. And, you know, we have a record number of homeowners who are using it. And... The savings, it does pencil out. It, it is upfront to some extent, but then it does pencil out. So going solar is still a great thing oh, yeah. that we should be doing. Yeah. No and doubt. and we, what we want is for all these other technologies to go the same route as solar, where in, you know, 20 years ago, that was something that was very novel. <laughs> and now we need to get it to where it's. I, I think my hope is, is, you know, they can. They can get it to be like super efficient. So the panels, you know, they take up less and less space and, you know, uh, yeah. that, that will be fabulous when they get to that point. Yeah. And I think just, just like the uh, electric cars, I do believe that that is uh, coming soon and maybe that's, hyper. You hit, that's what I want to say. I want to see a solar panel on the top of a car that powers the whole car. No need for a battery just for other than storage. <laughs> and right? away we go, right? Yeah. No, uh, or no the, more plugging in. Or... Another option is that that car battery can power the house oh, when yeah. it gets home. So it could go the other way. Oh, boy. And I, I believe, like where we're going with this. I believe that's coming <laughs> very soon as well. So, you know, a couple more questions. You know, you mentioned the DEC earlier on. Are you guys doing anything with other agencies in terms of, you know, besides, say, carbon, um, with, you know, how do you coordinate with other agencies if, if you do anything with, with anyone sure. or some other municipalities in terms of, you know, climate change or energy or, or what do you got right. going on? Sure. So with um, NYSERDA, which yep. is the New York State Energy Research and Development Authority, I believe it stands for. And so NYSERDA is New York State's energy department. And we work very closely with them on any number of uh, issues. So most recently, the offshore wind is coming. And so NYSERDA is going to be the next step in the big auction that took place for the New York bite 
$4.2 billion were bid for these ocean spots. And meanwhile, we have 30 miles off of Montauk, a lot of uh, leased areas that mm-hmm. were leased out about 15 years ago and, you know, pennies on the amount that uh, this most recent uh, auction brought. So, um, yeah, so I, I definitely working closely with them. We have Sunrise Wind coming, which uh, is main, meant to come into the actual county uh, properties. So Smith Point. Yeah. One Smith of my favorite beaches, by the way. Uh, yeah. Without a doubt. A lot of people know Smith Point Beach. Maybe they don't know. There's a Smith Point Marina, which will be the next I, I know where that floor. is. Yeah. Landfall for that. And then um, that uh, the onshore part of that project will go all the way up to Holbrook. Oh, man. Yeah. So, yeah, no, we work with NYSERDA closely on that and on the clean energy communities. And as far as town to town, there's I'll give a shout out to um, Neil Lewis and the Sustainability Institute at uh, Malloy College. They've been running this program, the Long Island Clean Energy Leadership Program, and uh, it's going on for decades now. And so that's a, a space where we do talk municipality to municipality hey, we tried this and it works, or, oh, you should use this, or Tara can educate us on how hydrogen is working, and, um, you know, just all of these different um, municipal things. And we have a a woman, Sarah uh, Oral, who is our coordinator for uh, some of the programs that NYSERDA runs. And so we're able to really um, share experiences and and knowledge, and it's it's really helpful to work uh, across our municipalities. That's great. Super helpful. one other thing I definitely was interested in is, and we talked about, you know, high technology, low technology, all that fun stuff. Uh, what other technologies, if any, is the county interested in or willing to explore? I mean, we talked about the wind, the solar, geothermal, CNG, you know, a, a few others. Is there anything we didn't mention that you guys have, have your eye on or at least interested in? think of any now that that may be a question when you we're going to send one of the engineers your way i would but if i get mike monahan here i will (laughs) i will take a minute to say though all of those different technologies that go into buildings so there there's a program and suffolk was an early adopter of it's called commercial pace and so some of your listeners who are engineers architects builders of commercial space should be aware of this commercial pace was put in place by new york state to be a fixed low rate loan mm-hmm. that a building owner can take out just for energy efficiency or renewable energy, just to clean that building up. So when you take out a commercial pace loan, they're going to calculate the savings on that efficiency, new, new equipment, new roof, new whatever you need to make that building efficient. Insulation. Oh, yeah. Capital I. So <clears throat> any part of that program. So let's say you take out a $10,000 loan and you do up the building and now you're going to get savings of $1,000 a year or something. So the, the payment back on that loan is going to be less than what you save. So if you're saving $1,000, they are going to have you repaying $900 a, month, a year, a well, month, whatever. Pretty, pretty smart. You right. Know? Whatever. Everybody gets a little, you know, you get yeah. a little piece back and you're, you're still meeting your obligation. Now, and that loan stays with the building. So... If you're an owner and you have this, you know, kind of, I, I think everywhere around <laughs> on my drive here, you could see buildings that oh, probably yeah. could be upgraded. And so you have one of these buildings and you wanted uh, to do the energy upgrades. 
the and but you think well you know I'm near retirement I don't necessarily want to keep this building so if you did that pace loan for 10 years that goes with the building it's treated like a property tax and so you the um as opposed to a, you needing your own personal uh equity or or something to put into it it goes against the building and so it's it's a tool and it's been used only a handful of times so far i was, was going to ask how long has this been Around for or available? Believe it or not, we adopted it back, I want to say 2016, but it it, um, hobbled. It really, the first, uh, there were two iterations that really didn't work well. So the the third (laughs) time was a charm. (laughs) And so that came out probably around 2019. And the good news for the construction industry out here and the building owners out here, it's Nassau County adopted the third version. Oh, wow. So yeah, so they got that in place. So now there's no um, line between where you can use PACE and where you can. And actually, I was just on the PACE site the other night, saw that the county, uh, Suffolk County, we still have our four projects. We had the first in New York State under that, pro- under that program. And now Nassau County had two projects. And so that it's, um, you to find it, you could just look up New York State PACE, but also it's E-I-C-N-Y is energy um, efficiency. I'm not sure what that stands for. Anyway, E-I-C New York is is where the program is located. And so it doesn't really touch the county other than the legislation we had to put in place and we had to make a few things happen at the county clerk's office for recording these mortgages and a few other things. Um, But other than that, the program runs smoothly through this New York State uh, designated agency and through the actual lenders themselves. So um, you're asking how long it's been around. It has been a few years, but it has not taken off and and, um, maybe... So we're hopeful we're going to see gain some popularity and some momentum and, and get people inspired. And Yeah, yeah, because just like the county's program, we could talk about um, all the wonderful new and cutting-edge stuff, but I think what's really going to save us and, you know, to get a little bit soppy, to save this world is, is really energy efficiency. We're, we're just using too much to power our buildings, and we need to all take a look at the homes we're living in, the buildings we're working in or own, and to say, this, we can cut this. And and for that, that's that's old school. That's not a lot of, you know, new bells and whistles. It's really just getting some of the um, things done that, that need to be done to a building to make it waste less energy. Wow. So, but with this commercial pace, right? So it's been around for a few years and I was unfamiliar with it, right? So What's the county doing to maybe market it or advertise it or, or just yeah. get the word out? What are you guys up to? So I, I, I mean, obviously, this is great. We just mentioned it on a podcast. There's hopefully right? a few people listening, you know. But. Yeah, no. Um, so right before COVID, there were plenty of road shows and going to the um, builders groups, you know, the Libby's and then those sort of things. Yeah. But um, so we really do have to get that back on track. I, I believe that we were just derailed as so many activities were. 100%. But we do have it on our website. We do try to tweet it and do that on our social media. But, you know, not a lot of uh, uh, big advertising. So we haven't taken out that banner at the Sky Rider going no, across the, the beach at, uh, interesting in July idea. 4th. Huh? <laughs> I'll, I will bring that back to the PR people. All right. All right. I'll take credit for it. 
Okay. Uh, Lisa, this has been fascinating. You know, it's, that's about the, the questions I have. But do you have anything you want to add that we didn't cover or um, any topics that you feel are, are important that you want to mention? I just want to say that it, it is Women's History Month. I Absolutely. appreciate you having me on yeah. as, as a woman guest. And I, I did a challenge at our event last week to tell folks that instead of just saying, oh, we need to empower women or we need to get more girls into STEM, and I'm going to do this to your, each and every listener. This is a challenge to you. No lip service. Take this month of March. Find a woman in your office who maybe doesn't get invited to the meetings, a, a, you know, an up-and-coming young engineer or somebody who um, mentioned, you know, maybe a relative or someone who says, well, I'm thinking of going to college and I might want to try this, or uh, engineering or math or whatever, STEM, uh, and, and really, really encourage that person. Really dig down, find out what other career possibilities? What's a path that you can help them to get on? How can you get them to the next level if they're already here? And how can you get them involved in energy and engineering if they're not? And um, if you can't find somebody to help personally and to really meet that uh, challenge, give a few bucks to the Girl Scouts who have fantastic badges in energy and engineering, or to a group like Girls Inc. that works to empower uh, girls and get them into these things. But do something real for this Women's History I'm, Month. I'm so glad you brought that up. I mean, it's, and we do, I, I can only speak for my firm, but we've got, you know, a incredible group of women engineers that, that work for us and um, other technical staff also on the environmental and compliance sides that are all fully engaged and we, and we encourage them to get out and spread the word too and, and and I love what you said about bringing them to meetings and you know just really just encourage that interest you know and and it, it's easier said than done as you just pointed out so yes. I, pr- I, I appreciate that and, and at PW Grocer we, we try to walk that walk not I, just talk the talk and I have seen that by the way in your firm and I give you guys give you credit for uh, empowering women and having a lot of women engineers that I've met from your I'm very glad to hear that, and I'm sure hopefully they're listening, and they're glad to hear that too. All right, but if, that, if that's all you got, that's all I got. And I, I do want to thank Lisa Broughton from Suffolk County, the Economic Development Planning uh, Department. It's been an excellent conversation we've had today, and I do want to wrap up the podcast. Uh, again, I'm Paul Boyce, CEO and President of PWGC, your host. This is the Environmental Echo, and I want to thank our listeners again. And lastly, remember, if you need to get a hold of us, www.pwgrocer.com backslash podcast, and that's the Environmental Echo, signing off.